Awesome. Well, before you see that, please remain standing. We've, uh, we're going to pray over. We've got so many prayer cards that came in today. And uh, we want to make sure that we, we take time to pray over these quick. And uh, we changed our service flow a little bit today. But i um, so glad you're here. If you're new to Mountain Park and uh, met one or two new people at the last service, again, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Please make sure you stop by our new here, start here tent. We've got a little goodie bag for you. If you're watching online for the first time as well, thank you for joining us online and welcome to church online. I got a, so many cards today that have come in, people that are having surgeries, people that are needing a job, and people are crying out for people. And, you know, every card, yeah, we always say this, every card is a life that needs a breakthrough, that needs an answered prayer. And so uh, maybe today you didn't fill out a card, but there's something on your heart. I just want you to put your hand on your heart right now and online as well. You can just put your hand on your heart. And, you know, the Bible says, with two or more gathered in my name, there I am. And so there are more than two or three gathered here today. And so his presence is here. And so let's go to our heavenly father who cares. He knows the very hairs on our head. He knows the tears we cry. Scripture says he watches over us as we sleep. That's who we're going to pray to right now. So, Father, I thank you today as I lift up these cards. God, every card is a life that needs a breakthrough. You know the stories. You know the situations. You know the challenges. You know the mountains. You know the closed doors. You know the sickness. You know the need. Father, I thank you today for answers, God. You know, every hand that's on a heart, you're in this room and online, you know what they're going through, Father. And so I thank you today that your word says in Hebrews chapter 11 that if we come by faith to you, it pleases you, God. And then when we come in faith, God, and, and declare who you are, and as we seek you, your word says that you'll answer, God. You reward those who diligently seek you. So I want to thank you today, God, for hearing our prayers. I want to thank you today, God, for moving mountains that need to be moved, opening doors that seem impossible, bringing healing, God, successful surgeries, God, marriages, kids that are lost, God. You know every, every need, and we declare today that you are faithful. So thank you as your word says that you hear the cry of your people, and if we humble ourselves, call upon your name that you would hear, you would heal our land. So come and do what only you can do, and we give you all the honor and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Hey, before you see it, greet two or three people around you. Just say, hey, man, it's good to see you. Uh, as you're doing that, I want to welcome those that are joining us online today for Church Online. You're part of the family, whatever city, state, country you're watching from. Hey, let our hosts know where you're from and uh, give a shout out to our host as well. Again, thank you for watching us with Church Online. Good. Well, it's, uh, it's good to be with you today and all the Cowboys fans, nothing but love. Nothing but love. And uh, so uh, it's good to be with you today. And uh, I know uh, it's kind of wondering who'd show up for church because there's like football games going on. But uh, it's good to come to the house of the Lord is what scripture teaches us. So, so glad you're here. And what a, wasn't it great to just, uh, just celebrate people getting water baptized? And uh, man, just, you know, that's an important part. Uh, very important part of your step of faith. And so I want to encourage you, if you have never been water baptized, uh, please make sure that you go to our next baptism orientation. We'd be so honored to uh, water baptize you. Um, hey, a lot of great feedback I've been getting from the groups. And uh, we got so many people that are meeting in groups, Bible study groups, focus groups, Marriage Monday kicked off and uh, uh, part of it. And uh, we've got FPU going, Alpha right now, there's... Over 40 people going through our Alpha, our second track, and so, so excited about that, and uh, 
You know, Alpha is for those of you that just kind of, you don't know about Jesus, you don't know about faith, you've got questions, then I want to encourage you sometime, go through Alpha, and uh, it's just a great, great, uh, great course to go through. And so, uh, uh, and then thank you to those of you that jumped in. Last week we had jump in, which means just saying, you know what, I want to realize my role at Mountain Park Church, and uh, you know, I like to say, you can't do everything, you can do something, and somebody needs your something, and uh, I believe we had uh, 47 people jump in, I believe, last week for the first time, and uh, first time jumping in and serving, and so... uh, we're so excited, and so, uh, you know, we're in this together. I always say we're not a cruise ship, we're a battleship, and everybody has a role on the battleship. And so, you know, realize your role, find your role in God's story here at Mountain Park Church. Hey, I also want to encourage you, if you haven't got one yet, please pick up a rooted journal. If you've got your rooted journal, journal and you're ready for today, uh, you can open up to week three and take notes. Uh, uh, and hopefully you can take notes today, because... I'm going to share a lot of stuff. I, I, people first service say, man, you know, it was just like meat and potatoes, meat and potatoes. And so I'm throwing out a lot of stuff today, so you might have to go re-watch it uh, and just pray for me to get through this. I made it in the first. I'm hoping I'm going to make it through in the second, but it's going to be good. But the Rooted Journal is really, it's a great way for you to kind of partner with Sunday. And then in your groups, you can kind of uh, just go through and go dig deeper. And uh, if, you, if you're not in a group and want to join one, I want to encourage you. Uh, go to our website. Okay, come to midweek, 6.30 uh, on Wednesday. We've got a kids program going on. So you, and Trailblazers, it's amazing. And then we've got, couple, we've got couples groups, men's groups, women's groups. Or um, ladies, come, come Wednesday morning. The Wednesday morning Bible study is growing. And, and, uh, and so a lot of opportunities for you to jump in. Men, uh, men's breakfast is coming up. February the 11th, 8 a.m., Dr. John Michael's going to be in the house, a guest speaker. We're going to have great food, great fellowship. Hey, invite a brother, get it on your calendar, show up, and then bring somebody with you. We're just going to have a great time. Uh, we're doing, we, we, we're, we're twisting breakfast a little different. We've got a kind of new spin to it, uh, and so we're excited. So mark your calendar for that, man. And then tonight is night of worship. And so for those of you that have been going through the 21-day fast, kind of today's the final day, and so uh, we're going to be having just a night of worship. Anybody's invited to a night of worship, and so it's just a great time to come in. We're going to have prayer, communion, and worship, and that's happening right here tonight, 6.30 p.m. Great. Well, um, week one in our journal, I'm not going to recap too much, but in week one, we spoke about being rooted in Christ. The importance that then in Colossians chapter 2 that we were to walk in Christ and to be rooted in Him. And week 2 we spoke about being rooted in community. The importance of doing life with others and that, you know, like the palm trees, roots go out and, and intertwine with other roots and they stand together. God wants us to have people in our lives that are standing with us. You know, we said last week that community is encouraging. When we get into a community group, a Bible study group or a focus group, it's encouraging. It's fun. You know, it's, uh, it attracts the Holy Spirit. Bible says we're two or more gathering on it. There I am. So when we get in groups, the, the Holy Spirit's there. We're having fun. We're encouraging. There's, a, we're, there's, a, there's love going in the group. It's, it's, it's fostering of love. And then the last one I said last week is accountability that we all need accountability. That's not a bad word. Accountability helps you grow. And in a church our size, it's so important for you to be in a group. Why? Because when you're in a group, there are people that know your story, they know your season, and they're doing life with you. They're praying for you. And so when you go through the hard time and sometimes you just feel like skipping church, they're texting you. Hey, where you at? You're missing group. Where you at? 
And so it's just important to have people that, that are, are kind of just walking with you and lifting up your arms when you need that. So rooted in community. Today, though, I'm going to talk about being rooted in truth. Rooted in truth. And so I'm going to kind of build layer upon layer today, and, and hopefully my, my art skills are going to help us as we go in. And uh, I know uh, uh, my daughter's on the front row, so we'll see what she thinks about daddy's art skills, but we're going to try today. But I want to start today with truth. And I want to write down a phrase, and we're going to unpack it a little bit today, and, and, and this is so important, because God, God is, who is God? You know, if you go and study, they'll say that there's two groups for the attributes of God. Two groups for the attributes of God. If you, if you want to unpack God, there is the non-moral groups or attributes, and then there are the moral uh, attributes. Excuse my writing. Non-moral attributes are like this. God is omnipotent. What does that mean? God is all-powerful. There's no more powerful than God. God is omnipresent. God's everywhere. And then God is omniscient. God knows all things. God is sovereign. There's no one above him. He's he's above all. God is creator. These are your non-moral attributes. And then we get moral attributes. Moral attributes are this. God is love. God is grace. God is mercy. And then an attribute we're going to talk about today is God is truth. Non-moral attribute. God is truth. It's interesting because in our society today, people are trying to disprove that God is truth. Scientists are trying to disprove. Mathematicians are trying to disprove that God is truth. Today we're going to begin to jump in to that. See, God is truth speaks about God's morality. In fact, I have a statement I'm going to put up. To say that God is truth is to acknowledge that truth itself proceeds from the nature of God. While many things can have the truth, only one thing can be the truth, with that one thing being God himself. And this is so important because what I'm basically saying is God is truth. It's not what God does. It's who he is. God God is love. It's not what he does. It's who he is. It's his nature, his attribute. God is peace. God is grace. God is, it's not what he, God is faithful. It's not what he does. It's who he is. And today as we begin to unpack this, We've got to start with this preface and this understanding that God is truth. Well, let's, let's just jump into the Trinity. Let's jump into the Trinity for a second. Let's look at a couple of verses. John 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father but through me. Listen to what Jesus said in John 15, chapter 15, verse 26, about the Holy Spirit. But when he, the helper comes, that's the, Harris, the, the Holy Spirit, the parakletos who comes alongside, whom I shall send to you, the Father 
from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father will testify of me. So I spoke about this in January, the first of January and Sunday. You can go and watch it on the roles of the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? He, he's the Spirit of truth. He brings understanding and revelation. He comes alongside us. Jesus Christ said, it's to your advantage that I go. He said to his disciples, why? I will send the Holy Spirit from my Father. And the Bible says, we, Paul says, we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. If you're a Christ follower, the Spirit of, of the Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you, and the Spirit of truth, therefore, is in you. So Jesus says, I am the truth. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, and then by two immutable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, we must have a strong consolation of who we have fled um, who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that he set before us. And yeah, the writer of Hebrews is literally saying this. God cannot lie. Why? Because he is truth. And this is important because God, the Son, truth. God, the Spirit, truth. God, the Father, truth. It's not what they do. It's who they are. Let's jump to Luke chapter 6, verse 46 to 49. And this is a key passage in your rooted journal. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when a flood came, the torrent struck, that house could not uh, could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Interesting. Let's go back to our story. So God, we spoke in week one of rooted in Christ, sent his son Jesus you and I were in the kingdom of darkness. We were sinners. And we came, at some point in our life, we came to the realization that I'm a sinner. I'm never good enough. I can't earn heaven. I can never be spiritual enough. The reality is I still sin. And the Bible says in Romans that all have sinned. There's not one of us in this room that can say, I haven't sinned and missed God's mark. All of us have sinned and missed God's mark. And then Romans chapter six, I've used this verse a lot, verse 23, says the penalty of sin is death. The word death there means eternal separation from God. We don't deserve to have a relationship with God. We don't even deserve to call on his name. We're, we're sinners, we're, we're, we're not worthy of God. And we can't in any way restore relationship. So what did he do? He so loved us, John 3, 16, that he sent his one and only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So God looked at the darkness of the world. The fallen world is what it was called. He saw sinners like you and I. The penalty of sin was death, separation from God, but Romans 6, 23 says, but the gift of God was eternal life in Christ Jesus. So what does that mean? That as we look to Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, that he went on the cross and he took my sin, 
the Bible says that we now receive the gift of eternal life. And last week we spoke about in, in the book of Peter that we are taken from the kingdom of God into the kingdom of light. And so here we are now. And so what are we to do? We're to get rooted in Christ. We're to get rooted in community. But now Jesus is saying here, which is so important, that we need to build our foundation upon truth. And Jesus says, a man who builds his life on the word, the Bible, the words of God, the truth, is a man who is building on a good foundation. And when the storms of life come, and remember it was Jesus that said in John 16, verse 33, in this world you're gonna have trials and tribulations. But he said, you can have joy, why? Because he said, I have overcome. And if you've built your life on the truth of who I am, and I'm your Lord and said, you're a child of God, and the, you're building your life on the word of God, when the storms come, you will not be shaken. You will stand strong. But if you are building your life on the things of this world, when the storms come, there's gonna be a collapse. You gotta be rooted in truth. See, rooted in truth means being rooted in God's word. I want to read a statement to you quick, a statement of faith at Mountain Park when it comes to the Bible. If you don't know what our statement of faith is, please go to our church website. We have listed all our statements of faith. But here's our statement of faith when it comes to the Bible. We believe the Bible, both Old and New Testaments, is the word of God, written by men who were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write down what God wanted to communicate to us. It is both the loving expression of God's will for our lives and the timeless, authoritative, infallible rule of faith and practice. This is so important. If you want to say at Mountain Park Church, how do we see the Bible? We see the Bible as God's word. Old Testament, New Testament. We believe that it's the final authority. Heaven and earth will fade away, but his word will stand for all eternity. We believe it's infallible. We believe it's holy. Yes. We believe it's God's word to us. And so we're called to do what? To build our lives on the truth. And the truth is what? God's word. Now you must say, well, why is that so important? Because we live in today in a society where people are challenging the word of God, where people are challenging the church. In fact, I was reading an article a few months ago about but millennials, 55% of millennials believe that Jesus sinned. Biblical literacy in America has decreased. People spend way more time on social media, Google, the internet, than just simply opening up the word of God, the word of truth. The question I have for you today is what are you building your life on? Opinions or the word of God? How is your foundation this morning? You know, this is so important. Being rooted in the word of God is so important. Understanding what God has done is so important. In fact, in week one of Rooted in Christ, our key verse was Colossians chapter two and, uh, and verse uh, six. But I wanna read this passage today in Colossians chapter two. I wanna give the broader scope of this passage and especially the importance of being rooted in truth. Let's go to verse one, Colossians chapter two. For I want you to know how 
greater struggle I have for you and for those of Laodicea and for all those who have not seen me face to face, Paul says. Why? Because Paul's in prison when he's writing this letter. It says that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ Jesus. Paul at least says this, I'm writing in prison and, and yes, the goal, I want people now that have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who were called out of darkness into God's marvelous light. He says, I want these, I want this new believers to come to full understanding of this, what Jesus Christ has done. I said to you last week, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, for in Christ we were a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. I spoke to you about Ephesians chapter four a couple of months ago and last week that Paul says that we need to have the renewing of the attitude of our mind and he's not saying that we should go and, and renew our mind in fixing the old. And in verse 24 of Ephesians four, he says we're to what? To put on the new man. What is he saying? Simply this. You were once here as sinner, you found Jesus, he saved your life, you became a child of God, and now that you're in the kingdom of light, you are a new creation. The old is gone. Quit trying to fix the old you and renew your mind in understanding who you are now as a new creation and a child of the living God. Just, you gotta shape your, shift your thinking. You can't look back. You can look forward. That's what Paul says. Walk in Christ. Be rooted in him. See, Paul's writing here saying, come on, I want you to understand. I want you to get the depth, the wealth of what Jesus did for you and who you are now in Christ Jesus. In verse three, in whom all... In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We spoke about the Holy Spirit wants to reveal these. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I'm absent in body, because again, Paul is he's in prison, yet I am with you in spirit. My heart is with you, rejoicing to see your good, to see your good in order, good order, and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Paul's like, I want to see you coming to this place where you're growing in your faith, you're growing in wisdom, you're growing in understanding of who what Christ has done for you and this new life that He's called you to walk in and live in. Therefore, in verse six, therefore, as you've received. Christ, Christ, do what? So walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. Now, why would Paul start the letter by saying, I'm struggling? If you go study the, 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 the Greek for that, it's, it's literally the word, I'm anxious and I'm concerned. He's, he's, he's anxious and he starts by saying, I'm, I'm anxious and I'm concerned because I, I want you to understand and have a revelation and the depth in you of who Christ is and what he's done for you. I want you to be rooted in him. Why would he say this? Because verse eight and nine, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elements of the spirits of this world and not according to Christ. He says, hey, you gotta watch out because there's things in, this, in the darkness and fallen world that wanna deceive you. 
Paul says, you better watch out because in the end days, men will become lovers of themselves, giving over to all kinds of doctrines, things that can fit their theology, things that make them feel good about themselves. We're living in the era right now of the apostasy, the falling away. Paul says, watch out. Listen to verse nine, and this is the key in this passage. For in him, Christ, the, the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily. Very important. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all the, sorry, in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Paul was saying this. He's saying, hey, watch out because there are spirits from darkness and, and people, false teachers that want to deceive you. And they're going to deceive you in two things, Paul's writing down. He says, they're going to deceive you in who Jesus is. They're going to question Jesus. 55% of millennials are shared, believe Jesus sinned. Well, if Jesus sinned, why are we here? Why are we here this morning? What's the hope? Because the Bible said a lamb without spot or blemish, one that knew no sin, could take the sin of humanity, the innocent lamb that was slain for our sins. If Jesus sinned, the cross means nothing. And Paul writes here and he says, be careful because the false teachers and false doctrines and philosophies are trying to get your eyes off Jesus Christ and the deity. I love that. He says the deity. Why? Because those days the false teachers were going around saying, Jesus is not God. He's not God. He's just a man. My friend, I want you to say me, Jesus is fully God and fully man. He is deity. He is the son of God. Don't even wrestle with that. Don't even doubt it. Run away from that. It's not. Paul, you see, we think this is new in the church. No, no, back in Paul's day, he's writing, watch out because false teachers are gonna come and they're gonna challenge who Jesus is in your life. They were doing it back in his day. And the second thing, what is Paul saying? They're gonna challenge not just how you see Jesus, but then through that, how you see yourself. Because if they can confuse you in who Jesus is, they can confuse you in who you are. So watch out, my friend, for all this. Well, I've got a new revelation. I have a new doctrine. I have a new. There's a lot of that on the internet. Let me tell you something. If it's not in the word of God, run. Forest, run. Run, forest, run, baby. Because the last, let me tell you, you know what the devil wants? He does not want you to know who Jesus is. And Paul says, yeah, he says, this is about Jesus. In him is the rule. All authority is in him. That's what the Bible says when he ascended to heaven. God the Father said, sit at my right hand. I almost said the left. Sit at my right hand in the seat of authority and everything is under your feet. Well, what does that mean for you and me? Pretty simple. We are the body of Christ. And when our faith is in Jesus Christ, and Paul says when you see Jesus, not just as a man, but as a son of God, the authority and you are in him and his body, everything that is under Jesus' feet is under your feet. You have authority. 
That's why when you pray, my friend, don't pray with a, well, I hope that you can open the door for me. I hope that you can make a way. No, you pray with authority. Why? Because poverty is under your feet. Sickness is under your feet. Anger is under your feet. Addiction is under your feet. Well, pastor, I'm not spiritual enough. It's never been about you. It's been about Jesus. It's not about you. I am seated. Things are, every power and principle is under my feet because I pray eloquently. No, no, no. It's under my feet because Jesus, the Son of God, yes. took captive yes. every power. That's what the Bible says. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Yes. And Paul says, watch out. Watch out, you've got to be rooted in truth so that you can be, because Paul says this, when you, are, when you see God in his deity, Jesus, we see Jesus in his deity, in his fullness, what does Paul say in this verse? And you have been filled, the word filled there in the Greek is complete in him. You see, when you begin to see who Jesus is, you begin to see who you are. And if Jesus is the son of God, guess what? You're complete in him. You're forgiven. You're restored. You're redeemed. You are, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When you see who Jesus is, the power and authority of who he is, guess what? Paul says, you will see yourself different. Yes. You will see yourself different. You will now begin to say, I am a child the most high God. Remember in 2 Peter, we spoke about it last week. I am what? A royal priesthood. I am what? A holy nation. I am what? A, pecu pecu a peculiar people. To, to, to do what? Called to show forth the glory of him who has called me out of darkness into light. I'm complete in him, lacking nothing. So what am I doing then? I'm, as Paul says in verse six, I'm becoming, I'm walking with him and being rooted in this understanding of who he is and who I am. Who he is and who I am in him. That's why I'm growing. That's why I need to be in the truth so that I can begin to understand. You know how many promises are in this Bible for your life? So many. Jesus said this, man should not live by bread alone. Last night I had some of the best sweet rolls I've ever had. Ever. It was better than Hawaiian King. You know the Hawaiian King? Some of you are like, yeah, Hawaiian King, baby. That's, um, that's, some of you are like, right now, your stomachs are grumbling. Hawaiian King is amazing bread. I lived in Hawaii. I loved it. But Jesus said, man shall not live by Hawaiian King bread. But man shall live by every word. See, as I'm, in, as I'm in the Bible, I'm beginning to let the Word of God come off these pages into my life. And the Word of God, the Paracletos, the Holy Spirit who is in me, he's alongside me. He's the teacher. He's the Spirit of truth. He's beginning to teach. And, he's, and we spoke about this in January 1st. He's bringing understanding and revelation. And he's revealing the Father's will in my life. And he's opening my eyes to what Jesus has done and who I am as a new creation. And that's why I need to be rooted in truth. I need to be rooted in the Word of God. God. You see, if you're just a Sunday feeder, if you just come to church on Sunday and that's the only time you hear the word of God, then I'm telling you, you're spiritually malnourished. I don't mean to offend you. You're spiritually malnourished. And, and Jesus said, you've got to understand, build your foundation. Because in this world, you're going to go through stuff and the strength of your foundation is going to determine whether you stand or whether you fall over. 
You gotta be in the word of God. And in verse 11, it says, in him you were circumcised with a circumcision without hands, but by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God has made a life together with him, having forgiven us of all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that has stood against us with its legal demands. This uh, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. What is Paul saying here? We just watched it this morning. Paul's saying this circumcision in the law, it was flesh, but in the spirit, it is heart. He says when you're rooted in Christ in your heart and rooted in community, rooted in truth, it's a heart thing. And then we saw today people doing what we read here. What were they doing? Going under the water, saying I'm laying down the old me, I'm rising up anew. And Paul says, yeah, wow, isn't it beautiful that, you know what, what did Jesus do on the cross? It would, all your transgressions, I love the way he writes it here. Let me read it to you. All, and, and by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demand, sin, sin had a right to judge you. That's why Romans 6 is the penalty or the wages of sin. Sin had a legal demand for your life to say, you are a sinner, you are not worthy. But Jesus paid that legal demand on the cross and now the sin is removed. It is gone. It has no authority over you. So what then, what's the purpose of the word? There's so many, I'm gonna give you three today. Three purposes for God's word, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, listen to this. All scripture is breathed out by God, we read that in our statement of faith, and profitable for what? Teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The first thing I want you to see is what's the purpose of the word of God? Teaching, reproof, correction, and training. Why am I in the word of God? so that the Holy Spirit can teach me. Why am I in a group? So I have a shepherd or leader who can teach me. Why do we have a rooted curriculum? To teach you, to train you. Why am I in the word of God? For reproof, what is reproof? It's a conviction, don't go that way. What is correction for? Is God trying to beat me up? You're a bad Christian. No, correction, the Bible says God disciplines the ones he loves. See, when I'm in the word of God, it's correction. It's the purpose of the word. The purpose of the word is not for me to, to make myself look great. The purpose of the word of God is not for me to, get, to teach, get your eyes off God and get your eyes on Charlton. I don't save you. My opinions are irrelevant. Yes. What does he say? Yes. What does he say? Yes. My theology or my bentness or whatever. What does he say? Yes. Heaven and earth will fade but my word, my word will always stand. What does God's word say? The second thing for God's word, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ in the ESV. What is the second thing the Bible does? It grows our faith. It grows our faith. Paul's saying here, if you wanna grow your faith, how do you do it? By hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. It's by hearing. 
It's by putting roots down into God's word, the truth, and hearing and, and hearing. That's why sometimes you, you come to me and say, Pastor, I've heard that verse a million times, but today I get it. Because you have to hear it and hear it and hear it. You see, because there's two ways to read the word of God. You can read the word of God as logos, written word, or you can read the word of God as rhema, revelation. You can read a verse over and over in one day. It's the same verse, the same verse, and then all of a sudden you read it and what? The Holy Spirit opened the, the key. He brought some wisdom, some understanding. You see that verse so different. What is that? Rhema. What does it do? Build your faith. Why am I building my faith? So I can be the new creation, child of God. I can live out, I can realize my role in his purpose. I can be the man that God called me to be. John 10 verse 10, I came to give you life, life overflowing. I can live this eternal, this, this overflowing life and then one day the eternal life in Christ Jesus. I can now do this, why? Because I'm growing in faith and I'm rooted in truth. I'm rooted in God's word. So it's for teaching, reproof, correction, training. It grows your faith. And the third thing we see in Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter four verse 12, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing between the division of the soul and spirit of the joints and marrow. Listen to this. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Isn't that beautiful? See, you know, when I do my life journal, and I want to encourage you to get a life journal. Life journal, what does it do? Gets you into, there's a reading plan. You go through the Bible in one year, but every day there's signed reading as I'm doing my journal every morning. You know, what's happening is, this is, I don't see this as just a book with pages. I see this as God's word. I see this as Hebrews 4 says, living, powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. What is its goal? Point number three, you know what the word of God does, the purpose? It reveals where your heart's at. It reveals where your heart's at. You see, I spoke a few weeks ago, when you look into the God's word, it's like a mirror. Shows you who you are. When you're in the word of God, it's alive. But what does it do? The word of God shows you where your heart is at. If we want to be rooted in truth, we need to posture our hearts different. We have to posture our hearts different. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus talks about the parable of the sower. And Jesus says, uh, there's this man that goes out sowing seed. And says the seed is the word of God. And he talks about four different kinds of soil. He says the first soil was a path on the side. He threw, threw the seed on the path and what happened is the birds came in and they ate the seed and they flew off. And that seed produced nothing. And Jesus later tells his disciples, what does that mean? And he says, well, that is just the enemy, the devil coming in and stealing the word of God. He does not want the word of God. He does not want you rooted in truth. The devil doesn't want you rooted in truth. He doesn't want you in God's word. He doesn't want you to know what God says about your circumstance, your situation. He doesn't want you to know who you are. He wants you to just stay here, deceived. You're gonna go to heaven? That's okay. Just don't live as the new creation. Don't, Don't impact anybody. Don't tell people about Jesus. Don't pray for anybody. Just show up at church on Sunday. It's okay. The second soil is the soil where it was rocky and the seeds were thrown. And what happened? Those seeds could not get roots in the sun and bake them. The plants died. 
And Jesus says, you know what? That's so many times it's the hardened heart. But the heart is not open to receive God's word. And this is the third soil is one that had thorns and the seed took root and it began to grow, but the thorns choked it. And Jesus says, that's the distractions of this world, the things that distract us from God's word. And he says, but the fourth soil, that was good soil. And the seed was sown. The seed was sown and that seed produced a crop 30, 60, 100 100 fold. And what Jesus is saying is when our hearts are postured the right way for his word, we'll begin to see fruit in our life. When we're not just rooted in Christ, not just rooted in community, but we're rooted in truth, our lives will begin to bear fruit. So what are three postures of the heart I want to give to you today as we begin to land the plane? Number one, a heart that is teachable. A heart that is teachable. John 16, verse 13, and when the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he says, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. I need to be willing to be teachable. When I wake up with my life journal, I start normally, I start like this. Holy Spirit, you're the paracletos, the one who comes alongside me. Your role is to teach me, to bring understanding and truth and revelation. As I now do my life journal today, would you teach me? My heart is open. Would you teach me? Would you help me to understand what Jesus, who Jesus is and what he's done? And would you show me who I am? I'm teachable. You know, one of my mentors said to me, he said, Charlton, the day that you're not teachable, is the day you're not learning. And the day you're not learning is the day you're not leading. So if you wanna be a great leader, God be teachable. So the role of the Holy Spirit is to teach me. But listen to uh, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14. Where there is no guidance, some translations will say, where there is no wisdom, a people's falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. What is that saying? It's saying teachability means there's a willingness to invite others to mentor, teach, train, correct you. We need people. I have people in my life that mentor me. I have, there's theologians that I follow and read and study. Why? Because I'm teachable. I don't think I've learned everything. Listen, if you think you know everything, you just put God in a box. Because my Bible says when you get to heaven, you'll know all things. While you're on earth, you won't know all things. So guess what, grasshopper? Be teachable. Be teachable. But what what Proverbs is so great, and this is so important, because there's seasons in my life where I thought I knew it, but I missed it. And you know what I did is I would take what I thought and I would go to my mentors and pastors and say, hey, here's what I think. And they'd be, no, you missed it. Let me show you something else. And they would correct. Correction is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Why? Because I still have flesh. I still have flesh and you have flesh. And sometimes when we read the Bible, we can interpret it through our flesh. 
And that's why Solomon says there's wisdom in the counsel of many. If you have the right people in your life, you'll always have wisdom available to you. But have a teachable heart. The second thing, so number one, we're gonna posture our heart to receive the word teachable. The second thing is a, a heart of reverence. You can look at this as a book. Or you can look at this as the living word of God. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. See, I look at this with reverence. You know, one of my mentors went to China to coach 200 pastors, underground church. It was all set up for months and some of these pastors walked five days. And they were doing this conference with these underground pastors and he was teaching and he managed to get his Bible in and sneak it in. And, and these pastors were just looking at his Bible like, wow. And he was teaching and he had a moment where he stopped and he's like, why are you guys looking like at my Bible? Like, and then he realized this, they didn't have a whole Bible. They had pieces that they would pass around and memorize. They didn't have a whole Bible. You and I, some of us, we've got five translations. We've got you version. We, got, we have such accessibility to the word of God. Maybe it's not about accessibility. It is about the posturing of our heart. God, David said this in Psalm 119. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. What was David saying? For us, David, he's saying, for us, if it's you and I, God, you paid such a great price for my life. You took me out of darkness into your light. I'm a new creation. Salvation, saying yes to Jesus is the starting point. I now need to be rooted with Christ, walking with him and doing life in him. I need to know the Holy Spirit who is in me. And so God, I, I want to take your word and not just read it now and then or not just on Sunday, God, I, wanna, I want your word to be hidden in my heart. Why? Because God, I don't want to be that anymore. I don't want to live with that thinking and that selfishness, God. If you gave you one and only son, I, wanna, I want your word in me because I, I don't want to sin against you, God. I love your word. I love your word, God. A heart that is teachable. I need your word. Heart that has reverence. I want your word in me. And the third one is a heart of obedience and faith. God, I want to walk your word out. John 8, verse 31 to 32, and Jesus said to the Jews that believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And if you, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. God, I, I, God, I wanna be teachable. God, I love your word, reverence. But God, I, I wanna stop there. I wanna obey your word. And I wanna step in faith with who your word says I am, God. I wanna live as that new creation today. And so God, as I'm rooted in truth, you said, 
my disciples know my truth and my truth will set them free. His truth will do what? Set us free and how? Teaching us how to live as new creations. Amen? Amen. You've been quiet this morning. Hope that's a good thing. No condemnation, conviction. We're living in a time people are losing their way. Opinions are dominating. Who Jesus is is being questioned. Let's be rooted in truth. Let's be rooted in truth. Today, if you're a new, if you're a new Christian, just new to faith, Pastor, I recently said yes to Jesus. Get a life journal. I don't know how to journal. I'll have coffee with you. One of the pastors will have coffee and teach you how to do the life journal. We've got leaders that will teach you. Get planted, rooted in the word of God. Amen. No condemnation today. No condemnation. I am challenged in this message. I am challenged to go, I need to go deeper. I need to go deeper. I'm not there yet. I need to go deeper. I need to study more. More than what I've ever done. Why? Because this is the season we're living in. Amen. And I want to be everything God's called me to be. I hope you do too. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your presence here. Father, if there's anything that I've said that is offensive, there's no condemnation. God, the Bible says don't judge lest you be judged. We're not judging. But we're speaking about your word, the truth. God, you are truth. It's not what you do. It's who you are. Help us to tune out the distractions of this world. Help us to hide your word in our heart that we won't sin against you. I thank you today at Mountain Park Church that we're gonna be a church that built on the word of God, not the opinions of man, the word of God. And so God, would you posture our hearts? Maybe today, God, it's, I wanna be more teachable. Teach me, Holy Spirit. Maybe today it's God, I need to have reverence for your word. Or maybe today, God, it's time for me to obey your word, walk in your ways. Whatever it is, God, will you just speak to us? Help us to take our next step today so that we can be rooted in truth. It's in your name we pray, amen.